0: I was working in the yard and I was drenched in sweat and my CEO, um, happened to be on a, on a, a business trip over the weekend. And he was with, um, a group of men who had, uh, relationships and connectivity to, uh, some of the largest banks on wall street and, and they were beginning to work their problem. And, and he was aware that we, you know, we had some, um, that something significant was going to happen in the coming weeks and he calls me on the phone and I answer I answer I think he called the landline at the house and my wife answers the phone and says hey you know your CEO's on the phone you want to take this I said yes we I take a phone call and he tells me get ready it's coming.
1: From the University of Alabama's Colorado's College of Business is Bama Means Business, a podcast that reveals amazing stories from those people both inspire and make a difference in our community. I'm Cole Stevens. On the show today, Jeremy D. Piazza. Jeremy is the CFO of Or Construction in Birmingham, Alabama, and is a graduate of the Colorado's College of Business. During our conversation, we talked about his personal journey from graduation all the way to becoming a CFO, as well as some of the struggles he faced along the way. I hope you enjoy. So we're going to take a step back from that transition. We'll get back to it. But at what age were your children when you made that that transition?
0: Three children, and they were. Um, we were. We were expecting um, our third child at the tail end of my career in my first in my first role. So by the time the transition was ready to begin, my third child was born, and she was probably about a year old at the time.
1: Okay of children at home. Yeah. There's a lot of risk yeah. when it comes to moving to a, a new job. Right. What year was that again? That you in made 2006. The transition? So you know what comes in two years after that. Yeah. Looking back in the history books, that's a pivotal time. Yeah. Not only was the economy booming at that point, right. but obviously there's a lot of unprecedented growth. One, inside of just business as a whole, but also two, technology. How was that affecting your own perspective on the financial world? Because you grew up in a portion where computers were assisting you in your job. So now they're becoming a pivotal part of what you do.
0: What was it like for you, and how did you keep up learning throughout your career? For me, you know, coming out of college, the internet was barely a few years old, and and most people were using the internet really to just access email and maybe some news feeds. Um, There wasn't a lot of the ability to get a lot of research out of the internet at the time that I was graduating from from college. Although it was starting starting to, to be a lot more prevalent. Um, so further into my career and, and sort of getting into the early two thousands and, and, you know, mid, mid part of 2005, um, yes, technology had taken off and our ability to work, um, anywhere in the world was starting to get a little bit easier. Um, and so, you know, for me, it was, it, it was, again, it was just adapting. It was, it was you know, as tools were brought to us in order to do the work that we were doing, we were learning how much more efficient we can be. Um, and so, I was learning to navigate—you know, how to run a small team, how to be—you know, creative with clients, how to get information to our internal leadership. Um, you know, using the technology, and that was—you know—that was—that was eye-opening. It was challenging, um, but it was certainly creating. It was—it was—it was enhancing the speed at which we could do business. Um, you know as you kind of move into the, you know the, the the years right before the great recession where where um you know information was free, free flowing um i would tell you that you know it 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 really made understanding um business a little bit simpler because of the access you had to the world economy and you needed that in order to in order to navigate. And so what technology was doing for us during those years was just creating additional transparency that we didn't have uh, about what was going on in the world around us. And, and what that does for us is give us the ability to run models and be predictive and try to, you know, and try to anticipate what, you know, how you would, how you would um, change the way you, you run your business because of what you're learning through all that research.
1: I think obviously research is a huge part of every decision is you want to know sort of as much as you can. You want to shorten that that portion where you don't know what's going to happen by doing that research, by obviously collecting as much information as possible. Now this is the history side of me coming out. And I love asking this kind of question. Not everyone loves history, but what's your favorite history to ever study when you go back, if you can.
0: You know, I have a, I have an affinity to, um, to, to World War II era. Um, I think some of that got more to do with the fact that I have a grandfather that I uh, adored greatly that was two of them, actually. They both had a very integral part to play in the war. Um, you know, one grandfather um, talked more about it later on in his life than the other did. Um, I, my grandfather on my father's side uh, started to tell his stories much later in his life. Thankfully, you know, my brother, who is a history um Buff and love of the lover of the history Um, eras was was very uh, keen on making sure that he recorded a lot of those conversations. But having a having a grandfather who was who was, uh, you know, running a platoon of a small, uh, small number of men uh, throughout, you know, the theater of Europe during during some of the most difficult times in the World War II years. Was was really eye opening for me as a as a young man, um, you know, to be that close to someone who, you know, was carrying a weapon to survive and and had some of the you know you know the most um, stressful altercations that a man could encounter in his lifetime was you know was was really eye opening for me. So, you know, if I'm picking one, I think that I I would pick the World War II era.
1: Every generation leads in a different way. There's a lot of different forms by which people communicate and they obviously try to convey their own message and personal conviction. Something that I hold true to this day is that it's not the position that makes a leader, it's the man that makes a leader, right. man or woman that makes a leader, right. in all honesty. And it's about how you treat those who are you know, working for you, but also working on your direction. Obviously, in a transitional point, Going from someone who's obviously a little bit of a leader, but to a significant role in which people are reporting to you and you are the executive of a company, what was that like for you and who'd you try to emulate and how did you try to grow into that role?
0: Yeah. So, you know, as, as, as I was learning to lead, I was learning um, how to feel comfortable in my own skin. I wanted to adapt and adopt a style that was, that was natural to me. And and certainly had experience following other other leaders uh, earlier in my career. I was beginning to learn some of the things that they were doing that were effective, uh, and, I, and the things that I might want to adopt in the way that I wanted to lead. I certainly would not describe myself as a as a, a good leader uh, or a great leader by any stretch. But I'm but I feel like you know the the style that I wanted to adopt would be. Um, you know, to lead by example. And, and, and that is, that is the, you know, the intrinsic message that I got as a young man from my father as the oldest of four children and the oldest of the grandchildren on my, on my father and my mother's side of the families. And that my grandfather would encourage me to do is to lead by example. And so, um, someone once told me that, you know, that, that, um, the the testament of the true character of a man is the things that he does when no one is looking. And, you know, that's a, that's a very, that takes a lot of deep, you know, self reflection to to sort of determine how you're going to live your day either personally or professionally when no, you know, when, when you have to decide how to act when no one is looking. And, and so that, that translates to this, Understanding that you're really always on, you're not off some and on some, you're always on. And, and so learning to lead to me was about learning to do the work. And it was, it was learning to roll up your sleeves and, and get involved in the work along with the people that you are leading and you do it with them. Um, You don't drag them through it you don't pull them through it you don't push them through it you get in there and you do it with them and and i think that it is in those experiences that you that you emerge as someone who is worthy of being followed and you know and i think about you know the the teams that i lead today i mean i clearly have the team that i'm working with every day here in and our and our group and our accounting and treasury group but then i also have influence over a lot of the work that's happening outside of my direct reporting team. It's it's the men and women that are that are executing the work of construction in our business. And and anytime they're engaging with me on problem they're trying to resolve, it's 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 really about getting involved and getting into the 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 hard part, getting dirty in the work itself to to really earn their respect. And, and that's how I lead I don't dictate I, I find that that's not necessarily necessary a lot of the times you can collaborate you can ask for uh, the opinions of others around you and listen to what they would choose to do and and use that input before you make a decision because what you might be getting along the way is buy-in and to me that's just as important as making the right decision
1: so you have about two years from 06 to 08 to really stick through hard times with you Well, you ran into a test then for everyone who doesn't know this there's a great movie it's called the big short which everyone loves everyone refers to it as like a, a very good drama reality of what happened but you had to live it and you had to live in probably one of the hardest industries out there, and that was in construction. Right. Obviously, you guys don't necessarily do as much residential construction; more commercial construction. But no matter what industry you're in, you were getting hammered during that time. Right. When did you really realize that this thing, this thing was going to be long lasting? And what was that like for you getting that news?
0: It it was um, certainly you. You could never say that you were you know, as ready as you possibly could be for, you know, those events. But I would tell you that a lot of the work that I had done leading up to the recession, the work that I, you know, the lessons that I had learned about business and failure of business, um, even in the banking side of my career where I was serving clients, um, I was also a witness and privy to the failures of, of, you know, a few of our clients over the years. and so. And so I had, I had those lessons to to build upon to work with. And then I had my finance background and my, and my um, study at the university. that gave me some sense of, of, of how the economy works. And I had um, some sense of the way financial markets work as I was, as I was transitioning into this role. And, you're right. Two years was not a lot of time to get ready for something as significant as it was. But I had a lot of good uh, people around me at the time, um, I had a very seasoned C- CEO, a very seasoned CFO who was who was just had just recently retired and his wisdom was was available to me at all times. Um, and and so I felt like it was the resources that we had around us that gave gave me and gave us the ability to navigate this recession. We we were beginning to anticipate problems. Um, I'm a student of th- economics, so I read and I read every day uh, as much as I possibly can early in the morning about what's happening in the world and the United States economy. And so I was, I was aware that we had a bubble. Um, I wasn't exactly sure how it was going to implode. I wasn't sure... Uh, you know the magnitude of it, and you're right. I wasn't necessarily certain how it would affect commercial construction, but I certainly knew there was one pending, and so we were already beginning to position our balance sheet and our investments uh, and our investment portfolio for uh, you know the the potential that we had. We had a bubble. We weren't predicting it, um, but we were certainly trying to prepare ourselves. And so it was one very hot you know summer day. I think it might have been in July. Um, I was working in the yard, and I was drenched in sweat. And my CEO um, happened to be on a on a a business trip over the weekend, and he was with um, a group of men who had uh, relationships and connectivity to uh, some of the largest banks on Wall Street, and and they were beginning to work their problem. and And he was aware that we, you know, we had some. Um, that something significant was going to happen in the coming weeks. And he calls me on the phone and I answer, I answer, I think he called the landline at the house and my wife answers the phone and says, Hey, you know, your CEO's on the phone. You want to take this? I said, yes. So we, I take a phone call and he tells me, get ready. It's coming. And we went through our current strategy at the time, our, our investment strategy at the time and started to make some changes that very next Monday that I'd come into the office So, um, you know, again, it's mostly about, uh, the knowledge and the resources that I had around me that gave me what I needed to navigate that.
1: And that was a probably extremely stressful two, three years for you just trying to not only navigate it on the financial side, but also the business side, because you have all these people who are maybe pulling back their contracts, pulling back (laughs) their projects, delaying them at the, the least. Right. What was that like for you? Because obviously business, like you said, is a very people focused area. Like right. you are in relations and all of a sudden these relations are all being strained from every which way. What was that like for you personally having to talk with friends about like, hey, what are we doing
0: here? Yeah, no, it 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 was difficult. I mean, there's no doubt it was difficult. I think, you know, a lot of what I was hyper focused on was forecasting. Um, you know, you learn to do that. In all parts of your business career, if you have a financial background, you're always thinking and planning. And so we were forecasting and we were putting as much stress on the balance sheet as we possibly could in our in our models. We were, you know, we were stress testing the P&L. We were trying to determine how much business could we possibly lose uh, and still, you know, keep people keep people to work. Um, You know, at the time um, it was it was. uh, You know, you you were you were just trying to. To, to look for places where you could make changes in the business business model in order to remain profitable. And, and, and I would say that, it, you know, the relationships actually weren't strained. They, you know, they, our relationships got stronger because of the challenges that we faced during those years. Um, our best clients became better clients. Um, we had to make sacrifices in our business to keep projects going, to honor commitments and promises. Um, and we earned lifelong friends from those decisions. Um, and then same with our colleagues inside the company. Um, yeah, there were times when we had to, you know, we had to make personnel changes and and layoffs were a part of that. I mean, we, we shrunk the business uh, 15 or 20 percent during those years. Um, and that those were difficult things to do. Um, but, you know, the core of your team, the, the members of your team that, are the most important and most valuable to you, to us, we retained them and we kept them employed during all of those years. And, and because we do those things, we did those things, we strengthened our bonds. And I've got people that, you know, that work for me on this team that were here with me in 06 when I arrived. Some of them I hired in 06 and 07, you know, because of the work that we did together through 08, 09, 10 and 11, you know, they're still with me today. And this is 17, 18 years into this, you know, into this part of my career. So I I look back on that very fondly and would say that, you know, we, we enhanced relationships, we improved relationships, we strengthened relationships because of those challenges.
1: Obviously we go from a, they call it the great recession. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously that's sort of mirroring the great depression kind right. of verbiage inside of it, which was a very indicative of the fallout that came from it. I mean, to this day, I mean, you've seen a lot of stuff that still has remnants of the great recession affecting yeah. not only business, but also personal lives. Everyone was going through a lot of strain, a lot of stress was going on during that time. You know, you got foreclosure rates that were going through the roof that people were affecting it. What was that like for you navigating such a stressful Balance at work, trying to keep a company alive, (laughs) but then also realizing that you have a wife and children at home. How did you balance your life? And obviously, there probably was no balance to it. In all
0: honesty, Um, it it took a lot of planning. It took a lot of um, you know refocusing and and um, resetting of what you know what's important in your life. Um, You know, you you really you really get good at that if you're always working on it and and so for me as we mentioned earlier in this conversation you know setting some priority in my life and having order in the things that matter in my life and having an early start on that is what gave me the ability to manage and, and have all that in balance during a very stressful time in our career um, yes the work hours were long yes there were there were moments where you know we were you know uncertain about you know how you know the next quarter was going to look, um, but we were always planning. We were always looking ahead. We were always forecasting. We were we were doing whatever we could to sort of accept a a you know most stressed or a you know I guess a bottom level model of production to to, to have an awareness of what we needed to you know to navigate. And so bring that bringing that home in the evenings wasn't always easy. You know. My wife doesn't, you know, necessarily want to hear about all the day to day stresses that I'm dealing with uh, at work, although she's a great listener and would and would listen quite frequently. But, you know, when I came through the threshold of the door um, every evening, it I just turned work off as best that I could. And, at, and at my focus was back to family. And but during the course of the day. You know, the rules of life still apply, even in the office, even on the construction site, when it you know, the rules of life are what they are. And it's it's, you know, it's having order in your life, it's doing onto others as you would do unto them. It's keeping your faith in your focus and you know, treating people fairly. Um, and and those things are transferable when you're on this side of the threshold of the door versus this side.
1: Obviously, you have children at home during this time, mm-hmm. and this is the formidable times of their lives. They're right. starting to grow up. They're witnessing right. you as a man, as a leader, right. trying to emulate you in some way, shape, or form. And everyone that is a parent goes through the struggle of, how am I going to raise my children? Obviously, you had some phenomenal <clears throat> men to look up to, not only your father, but also your grandfather. When you look at that, obviously, you figured out sort of a formula of becoming a leader in business. But how would you... Say you developed as a man and a leader of
0: your children and trying to raise kids in today's day and age. A lot of the same skill sets. Um, you are oftentimes dealing with a brain that's not necessarily well formed yet. That's children's you know, children's brains are not quite the same as um, you know, as the brain of a a professional colleague or a client. Um, but it's still very much the same skill set. And, you know, and I wouldn't even really um, you know, describe it as a strategy for me. It was just, you know, nature kicking in, right? And 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 so a lot of it is presence. It's it's being present in their lives. Um, you know, when I when I think about, you know, my childhood and you know, what I experienced were some of the most joyful moments in my lives were when, you know, my Father was present when my grandfather was present when my mother was present, and so I wanted Michelle and I wanted that for our children, but me especially, I wanted to be present. And so, finding the time was oftentimes most challenging. And what I learned was you you couldn't find it; you had to create it. You had to make the time, and and so making the time is about uh, setting a plan, having a priority and, and, and executing that. And so, you know, I tried to be as involved as I could. You know, we sat, I sat on boards in the school system. I worked on committees and Michelle volunteered to serve on committees at the school so that we could be near our children. Um, I coached soccer teams and baseball teams uh, so that I could be with my children. And, and to me, it was about being present. And if, and if I could just be present, then my children could see me for who that I am and, and, you know, learn to, to be the right young man and young woman that they become because of my presence.
1: That's Jeremy D. Piazza, CFO of Whore Construction. And thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you're not a subscriber, do subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. And of course, check out our website at culprouse.ua.edu. Learn more about the Culprouse College business and what it has to offer. And as always, roll tide.